Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Well, Mike, we don't have a lack of things to talk about tonight. Let's get it going. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero don't need a same music. No one man should have all that power. The clock ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. Broken, the school's closed, the prison's open We ain't got nothing to lose Everybody we rollin' uh, Everybody we rollin' With some light-skinned girls And some Kelly One bleeds red And one bleeds blue Two friends One heated rivalry It's intense It's no holds barred It's game time on Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Brothers Mayhem, the crowd, uh, Sackett's coming on board. 
Uh, it's nice to see the crew back. Uh, everybody's fired up about football, Mike. No baseball talk allowed tonight, dude. I swear I'll hit the buzzer meter if I hear you commenting on the game you're watching tonight. We've got too okay. much to cover. How you been, buddy? How you been? Did you call today? I mean, hey, look, I'm watching the game. It's in the 12th inning. All right, that's it. We're done. All right, man. Well, that's all we can hear tonight on baseball. Look, there's a, a lot going on. I want to bring up and shout out to the guys at the Fantasy Sports Channel, FFC.FM. Mark Ronick and the guys bringing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, fantasy football coverage, best they can do uh, to get it to you. You can download us on your iPod or your MP3 player, listen to us live. If you missed a show or you can't finish it up tonight, that's okay. Just come back and listen to the podcast later this week. Uh, man, it's just a lot of fun right now. We've got uh, all the action you can possibly think of going on in the National Football League. Nami to the Eagles, man. I'm kind of disappointed. Everybody had been talking up. Shefty even told us that the Jets were the front runners. Houston ended up signing their guy, and it, it looked like it took all their money out of them, that they didn't have anything left to offer. And all of a sudden, the Eagles come out of nowhere and offer Nami five years, $60 million. You've got to call the Eagles a big-time winner in this free agent derby. I mean, they also uh, made several other moves. Uh, I don't know if you can find, you know, many other moves that were more impressive than Nambi. Uh That's the that's the free agent acquisition of the year for any team in the NFL. But they also brought back Jason Babin, or, or they got Jason Babin for five years. I don't know how much money he made there, but just to be able to – to bring in some more pressure on the defensive side and, and as well as the corner. Look, the offense is in check. So you've got the Eagles. I think they're kind of appointing and annoying themselves the class of the of the NFC East there, Mike. you think the Cowboys are you going to be able to bring it? And uh, what, what do you think of the Cowboys' free agent moves? Well, right now, uh, so far, uh, Philly has been a winner. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I think their move was uh, outstanding and uh, what they did. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is, to win the games, uh, you still have to uh, you have to perform on the field offensively as well. And I'm not so sure that Philly has everything put into place. They feel like they have. I'm not so sure they have. Uh, Dallas has been a big disappointment. Uh, me being a Dallas Cowboy fan, they, they really haven't done much. They had to get under the cap, so they unloaded a lot of a lot of players, and which they had to do. Um, I'll tell you, there's a team, Scott, that is really just screaming at me right now, and that is New England. They, Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson, whatever, uh, they brought him in, and he will fit with Bill Belichick because there is no problem with Chad Johnson or Ochocinco. The guy wants to win. That's all he wants to do, and that's all he's that's all he's been about. Uh, so he's going to fit well. Hainsworth, it's going to be real quick with Hainsworth, uh, how he fits with uh, New England because, you know, Shana, or uh, Belichick's going to be like pretty much this is the way it is, and he, either he fits by the middle of August or he doesn't. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, New England uh, takes on those two uh, high-profile players. All right, we've got the uh, the crew here at the chat room. We've got uh, a lot of things going on. We've been talking about winners and losers in free agency. That's kind of the theme tonight. Obviously, the Eagles are big winners. The Cowboys, you know, you can't really call them losers. You would have thought that they might have been able to pull off something. They, You know, Jerry Jones is kind of that kind of guy. He, he just pulls uh, stuff out of his you-know-what, you know, and, and just when you least expect it. They did they did get the uh, their offensive tackle locked down, Doug Free. I don't know if we uh, – if they brought it. They got their other guards locked down. So you know that's that's beefing up that offensive line. You've got to protect Tony Romo. It's no secret. Uh, Dallas rides higher, or or they die with with or without Tony Romo. That was evidence last year. They were not anything to speak of. Even though he put up stats with Kitna, Romo makes that team click. He's definitely one of the higher picks that I'm targeting at quarterback this year. I've got him right behind that elite group. Uh, of, of guys with Vic and Rogers and uh, you know Breeze, I've got I've got I've got uh, you know Romo right there in that Brady Manning Rivers bunch right there in that four. I think you could pick pick Romo and be completely satisfied because they've got to throw to keep up with that NFC East. 
Eli's going to bring it. Vic's going to be bringing it. And then, obviously, Washington, they don't have anything to speak of, so they're going to be throwing. They're going to be involved in shootouts uh, just to stay in the game. So I really like Romo this year. You can't sleep on him. And the, the funny thing is you can wait on your quarterback this year and be just fine. Everything we're seeing from every draft that we've watched, you take a quarterback early, why even do it? There's no reason you should ever take a quarterback before the fifth round in any fantasy draft period. The risk versus the reward's just not there. I'm seeing Michael Vick routinely taken at, at pick 17. Is he the guy, the one guy that you could justify in that position? Even Aaron Rodgers last year, Mike, everybody was saying he was going to break all kinds of records and rip roar. He didn't have the ground game last year. He has the ground game now. So let's talk about those two guys specifically before we finish up free agency. Vick and Rodgers, are those two guys worthy of an early second, uh, mid-second round pick, in your opinion. That's where we've been seeing him go, Mike. Yeah, I know. It's been kind of crazy because uh, the quarterbacks and tight ends uh, throughout the last couple of years, they've kind of been interchangeable as far as uh, how high you would take them. Uh, I think uh, I think Rodgers is. I'm not so sure Vic is, but I, I think Rodgers is He's worthy of that have a pick right now. Uh, you know, when you're looking at tight ends as well, I mean, there's been – it seems like there's two or three that are going to get drafted very high, and then the rest just kind of fall into place. But uh, back to your question, Scott, um, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is a uh, Vic. I'm not so sure of it. It's going to be hard for Vic to do a repeat performance of the magical season he had last year. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number – the chat room continues to grow here at Red vs. Blue tonight. The excitement is at an all-time high for the NFL season. It's finally getting ready to just bust at the seams. You know, you've got the Fantasy Football Players Championship. They're well over their 300-team mark already. You've got the NFFC. I think they've got about 180 teams in their two events. You've still got the craziness going on at the World Championship. We can't really even talk about that because we don't even know if they're going to have a season. Rumors are that they may be able to pull something off, but you know, it's just we're here. Here we are in July, and we weren't. We're even talking about it. It's really ridiculous. But well, we're gonna be in Vegas. We're flying out to Vegas. We will be there for opening night. We've got the Thursday night game, and then Sunday night, Mike, week one of the season, my Jets versus your Cowboys in the metal, or not in the Meadowlands, but in the New York uh, oh. Jets. Who's your winner there, buddy? Cowboys Jets. Where's that game being played at? The Jets thank oh, you, baby. Uh, oh, well, I'll tell you what. I think Dallas is going to come out. Uh, they're going to come out pretty strong. Uh, they have a statement uh, they need to make. Uh, let's face it, last year was a huge disappointment. Um, and, I, you know, let's face it, uh, the Jets, they're a very good team, and uh, they've made it to the AFC Championship two years in a row. And they're going to be they're going to be solid, but uh, this first week, uh, I really think that uh, Dallas Cowboys are going to be ready. They're going to be focused, and they're going to uh, they're going to take care of the Jets via the ground, the ground without Barber, via the ground. All right, we've got the uh, again the chat room is uh, is going kind of wild tonight. The question that I've just posed to the crew here is, uh, what do you guys think of Mike Sims Walker to the Rams? Obviously, if you would have thought they, that they would have given Bradford a better toy than that, but who will emerge as the number one wide receiver out of the seventeen wide receivers that the Rams have? Mike, you've got all of them from on the left and right and rookies and. It's just a full house for Bradford. Somebody's got to emerge there as a clear number one target. Who's it going to be? Yeah, I, I don't know right now. I mean, you know, you've got uh, Amendola, and I don't think he's going to emerge. I mean, he's always going to be a number two or three, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the young kid, uh, uh, you know, I mean, they, they've got so many opportunities. Sims Walker, uh, I, I'm not so sure if he's a number one either. Uh, so, to be honest with you, if you're a fantasy owner, you've got a bunch of number twos, and that sets up good for your number one running back in Steven Jackson. So, in my opinion, that elevates Steven Jackson's draft status right now because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, opportunities at wide receiver, and they're gonna, they're going to distribute the ball, you know, evenly throughout them because there is no number one. So. Steven Jackson's going to get a ton of opportunities, 
And uh, I really love Steven Jackson right now. Listen to these game logs, Mike. Six for 106 and a touchdown. Seven for 91 and two. Six for 81. Nine for 120. Six for 147. Eight for 91 and a touchdown. Six for 64 and a touchdown. That's Mike Sims Walker in his breakout year, 2009, with David Gerrard throwing him the ball. Now, last year, you know what? It looked like a totally different player on the field. He had a couple of good games, but nothing really to, to you know, that you could get behind all season long. He didn't. He dropped the ball consistently. It looked like he was just lazy out there running routes. It's like, I don't know what happened between 2009 2010. See, there's a lot more than just talent that goes into these equations. It's all about the mental game. And so the question will be, can this kid get his head back on straight where he's working hard and trying to be a professional player? And if that's the case, you heard those stats. He can put up the stats when motivated and, and you know, properly, you know, ready, oh, yeah. ready to go. Oh, yeah, no question about it. I mean, he can put up the stats, but you also have to understand that it's, uh, it's a, it's a system-type deal. Uh, is he going to be comfortable uh, in the system in St. Louis doing the same type deal that he did with uh, Gerard? Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it, that's the uh, unquestionable. Uh, when, you're, when you're wanting to draft a Mike Sims-Walker, where do you draft him? Is he comfortable in that system? Will or will he be comfortable in that system? Uh, you know, and I don't know, Scott. To be honest with you, it's going to be a tough situation to uh, figure out. I'm not happy to see Brad Smith go to the Bills. We were talking about the Bills before the start of the program. They really have been non-existent in the uh, free agent spree here. And they did pick up my boy from the Jets, Brad Smith. He was a utility player, all-around kind of guy. He would do whatever was asked of him. And he made some big things happen in some of the biggest games of the year for the New York Jets. You lose that type of special teams players. You lose that type of dual threat type of wildcat. We actually called it the – man, what did we call it? We had a wildcat formation for Brad Smith, you know, and and, and ran it quite frequently. Uh, But now the Bills pick him up and – I don't know what they're trying to do there, Mike. It seems like the Bills, like you said, maybe they're just they're just ready to run off for the hills of Toronto because that division that they're in, the Patriots, which we're going to talk about next, the Jets, and the up-and-coming Miami Dolphins, if they can get a quarterback to pair with Marshall, and then you got the new the rookie Daniel Thomas, Reggie Bush, that team starts to really make some noise too. But they're they're, they're not in the playoffs. You can't get past New England and the Jets yet, and the Bills are just so far yeah. in the cellar. It looks like they're just giving up. Yeah, you know what, Scott? Uh, it's it. I hate to say this, and uh, you know, I, I said it about a, I don't know, year, year and a half ago when I called the Buffalo Bills the Toronto Bills. Uh, they are giving up. They're, they're giving up just like Cincinnati's giving up. Um, both of those organizations, uh, they're rich. They're tried and true. Uh, they they have a lot of great fans that want to see them uh, succeed. But the bottom line is that the ownership in each organization is doing nothing at all to improve. This is your chance. There's over 400 free agents, a lot of great players out there, and there's been no movement at all with these two teams. I'm talking about Buffalo and Cincinnati, and it, it's too bad. And, if you're, you know, the fan base, uh, you gotta you got to feel sick about it. I'm asking for a big fantasy wide receiver winner thanks to free agency in the chat room, Mike. Here's mine from the Citadel. <laughs> you know anybody from the Citadel, Mike? Andre Roberts. Andre Roberts, 5'11", 195. He's going to have a good chance to compete and be the number two wide receiver for your main man, Kevin Cobb, who we've known for a long time was going to end up with Arizona. You got Fitzgerald going to see the double coverage. Cobb's not going to want to force it. He's not going to want to throw a lot of picks when that double coverage is on. And you're going to have this Stephen Williams kid. You're going to have Andre Roberts. And you may even have early Doucette making some noise. But I, my prediction is that Andre Roberts makes a nice splash uh, for a lot of fantasy teams this year. If you're an early drafter and you scooped him up late in one of these drafts, I think you're going to be really happy about what you see from Andre Roberts, especially like in draft national format. I, I am so glad to hear that because uh, in my in my piece of crap 
hyper uh, two-team. Uh, I drafted Andre Roberts for a reason, and uh, it wasn't for that. But uh, he's, uh, you know, he's going to end up being okay with Arizona, and uh, everything's going to be just fine. And so I like to hear that. And uh, I just, uh, I think Arizona. Talking about winners and losers, I think Arizona is a big winner right now. Uh, the reason I say that, Kevin Cobb, he is a professional. He will be just fine. Ken Wisenhunt, he will make sure that Kevin Cobb is just fine. Uh, everybody says, well, what's Kevin Cobb done? Well, in the games he's been in, he's, he's performed. He's performed at a pretty high level. He's never really been given the opportunity. I am so anxious and looking forward to seeing what Kevin Cobb can do with under Ken Wisenhunt and some type of running game, that's what they need, some type of running game, and just a couple wide receivers like uh, Andre Roberts. I just, I, I think Arizona is a big-time winner, and uh, you better watch them because that division is so weak to begin with. Well, they had to have a wide receiver to compete. They obviously got the running back that I'm ecstatic about, Ryan Williams. But they've got a lot of work to do as well. And, look, the one piece that's not being talked about in that Kevin Cobb trade is Dominic Rogers Cromartie. He's a heck of a player, and the Eagles scoop him up. So, again, the Eagles are positioning themselves very well to be a, to be a dominant team in the NFC. Real quick on Andre Roberts, the earliest we saw him drafted in the pros versus Joes leagues just recently was round 15. We had a couple of round 17 picks. Round 20, 22, and one league he wasn't even drafted at all. So, wow. Andre Roberts is one of these guys you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to watch out for. And uh, you know, hey, uh, did I get a little lucky taking him in the pros versus Joe's draft in round 20? Absolutely. I looked at him in round 18. I looked at him in round 19. He's still there in round 20. I'm like, I had to scoop him up. I went for Driver, Golden Tate, and Andre Roberts, and the best of those three by far. It's Andre Roberts right now, so yeah. his stock is definitely elevated. You're going to have to pay about around, I would say, 14 picks for him now, maybe even 13. He's going to go around the Greg Little, Dion Branch, Emmanuel Sanders type race. Somewhere in that round 13, if you want Andre Roberts, you're going to have to get him there because uh, his stock has definitely skyrocketed. Mike, let's talk about the Patriots. We have to do it. Uh, the AFC East is, again, uh, one of the most dominant divisions in football right now. And what what is what is Belichick doing? He, he, he he's really just embarrassing the rest of the league when he does things like this. I mean, we we see what happens when somebody else's trash doesn't have their head screwed on straight, but they have all the talent in the world. I'm not say, I'm not saying that about Hainsworth, but when properly motivated, he's another guy that can be just nasty. And they run that three four, and they're going to bring him up to the end there and just really come after the quarterbacks. Traded for a fifth-round pick, man. That sounds like a Randy Moss trade all over again for Belichick. Yeah, and you know what? He knows what he's doing. Uh, I'm not a huge, uh, I'm not a huge fan of uh, New England, but uh, I, I am a fan of uh, Belichick because, for whatever reason, he knows what he wants, and he knows how to mold them. You know, there's. There's some uh, there's some coaches and uh, GMs they can't mold players. Bill Belichick he can mold players into really really good players. Corey Dillon for a couple of years, Randy Moss for a couple of years. I mean these guys, let's face it, they were not that good when they went to New England. When they got to New England, they became good. How did that happen? They're talking about quarterbacks in the chat room again. Of course you wait, uh, Walkie. Uh, of course you wait on the quarterback runs uh, when you can get such players like Eli Manning in the ninth, Stafford in the tenth, Cutler and Bradford in the tenth. I mean, you know, these are guys that can definitely perform for you, especially in a draft master format. But even in a in a redraft, I may want to scoop a little bit higher and have one of those guys as my backup. But, look, there's nothing wrong with Eli as your quarterback. There really isn't. I mean, you've got weapons. He's got Manningham. He's got Nick. He's got to throw for a lot of yards. There's still questions about what's going on with Bradshaw. I think that's the question that Giant fans want to know. I mean, are they going to be a winner or a loser? I think it's really hinged to the Bradshaw situation. What do they do there? Because 
if Bradshaw somehow escapes their claws and they have to settle for somebody like Ronnie Brown, I mean, just shoot Giants fans in the head for me because they're going to be suffering all season long with Jacobs and Ronnie Brown. There's no speed there whatsoever. Maybe, maybe Darrell Scott gets his chance and is able to prove that he can do something in New York. What do you think, Mike? No, uh, Darrell Scott, he won't be the guy. Uh, I read a uh, real a little clip on uh, Darrell Scott. He he's a sprinter. He can run, but he's not an NFL type player. And that's that's the way it's looking uh, for Darrell Scott uh, because I drafted him and it didn't. You know, I mean, it was uh, it was pretty. Uh, you know, I can I can read exactly what they said, but uh, you know, they being I, I have no no idea, but. The bottom line is it doesn't look good uh, as far as Darrell Scott being the guy. They're going to have to go out there and get somebody that can uh, that can that can perform. But uh, I wouldn't give up on Brandon Jacobs just yet. Uh, he's got one one last year, and one last year is it. We're also going to – can we just laugh a little bit at the Seahawks for a second? I don't know. what Charlie Whitehurst and Tavares Jackson is the best you can do. Uh, I know. Quarterback what I know. in the world? Is going, I heard. I, I was heard they were talking about Leonard or something. I'm like, what is Pete Carroll thinking? Here's what he's thinking. You ready, Mike? My, Pete ready. Carroll wants to be reunited with Carson Palmer. That's what he wants. He sees his Peyton Manning slash franchise guy here that still has desire and is just tired of losing in Cincinnati. So Palmer has called out his organization and said, "Trade me or I'll retire." He's got the money. He will sit on the sideline and wait an entire year, and then so what? What you what you got faced with was you have you can't go after a good name or a decent name if you're Pete Carroll because if that's your plan all along, you can't go and sign a lot of money to a quarterback. You just have to find somebody that can hold the fort down and maybe squeak you out of the play. Well, they're not going to make the playoffs with the Bears, Jack. Just not going to happen. Uh, well, they make. Well, now hold on, Scott. They sacrificed for long-term game. Look, Hasselback was the answer. If you wanted to – if Palmer wasn't in your plans, Hasselback was your answer because what he showed us in the playoffs last year when it counted, lighting up the Saints like that, that told me he could get him back to the playoffs. He just got to – you know, he didn't play enough games. He didn't stay healthy enough. Well, the Titans believed in him. But he's not that Pete Carroll situation and solution. He wants Carson Palmer. He'll get him next year. Well, I tell you what, uh, the one thing about uh, Seattle is they made the playoffs last year, albeit it was uh below 500 record and it wasn't very good, but uh I think Pete Carroll has uh, has something in place to where he's like, look, all we got to do is make the playoffs and you're not going to get the Marshawn Lynch run like like he had last year in the playoffs. I mean, that's not going to happen again. But uh I don't know. I think he's putting something together, and I don't know what it is, but but the, his quarterback situation has real issues. I don't think Charlie Whitehurst is it. You know what? Something else I'm a little concerned about for all these guys is uh, not just what's going on in free agency, but the whole situation surrounding Chris Johnson again. Mike, here we go again. They gave the kid a a year deal to kind of appease him last year and say, look, we're, we can't get it worked out. We obviously are on different sides of the spectrum here. We'll give you this stop deal here that will last us for about a year, and then we'll revisit it next year. Well, guess what happens? The lockout happens. And then the CBA yeah. is finally back. There's no time to work this deal out for Chris Johnson, and they're in the same boat. So what leads us to believe that anything's going to be different this year? If they don't get it right for this kid, this kid could sit out. I mean, he just saw the money that D'Angelo made. D'Angelo is not half the back. That, well, he might be half the back that Chris Johnson is. But I don't know, five years, $43 million for D-Will? What type of money do you think Johnson's going to want? He's going to want at least that, probably in the neighborhood of about $12 million a year. Something something like that is the only thing that's going to – D-Will got a fortune. I can't believe he got $8 million a year. That's just – I can't believe it. Well, Johnson's you know got what, like ten uh, or twelve million a year, and people are spending their number one and number two pick in a draft for a guy that may not even report to camp. Scott, it's it, it goes on. It's every year. Uh, whether the uh, lockout's going to be done 
on the 12th hour, it's done. Uh, whether this guy gets signed, we talked about last year with a couple of players. Uh, whether they get signed or not, remember Michael Crabtree. I, I know he's not that high profile, but, you know, it's always about is it going to get done. Bottom line is this deal is going to get done with Chris Johnson. It's just it, it seems like it's uh, it's it's food for everybody to talk about. It's going to get done. We got a lot of uh, communication in the chat room right now. We've got uh, John Duckworth chiming in. He's saying they offered Hasselback a two-year deal. They didn't want Hasselback. Period. That was a slap in the face. They had they had no interest in Hasselback signing. That was evident. Uh, they just did that as a token gesture. Look, you don't want this deal, right? Okay, well, that's the best we could do. Sorry. Titans and Hasselback, I really like that deal for the Titans skill position players. Kenny Britt, I think, comes back to promise. We've still got to figure out what, what kind of power they have. That's one of those situations. It's one of those guys where, man, somebody's going to get really happy. I mean, you're, you're waiting till the end of the sixth round for this guy right now. I'll bet you you won't get him in Vegas after the fifth, okay? That's my opinion. I think – this could be a good breakout of the year, candidate. Our good, uh, you know, our good buddy here at the BFD Fantasies in the chat room tonight. He's got to name a breakout candidate. I can almost guarantee it's not going to be Kenny Britt. Maybe it's uh, somebody else a little higher than that. But look, Kenny Britt's one of these guys that is definitely helped by Hasselbeck being in town, and so is Jared Cook, Mike. We've been raving about Jared Cook being a breakout yeah. tight end. Uh, can you wait on your tight end if you miss the run? Jared Cook might be a guy that can really help you out of that position, especially in the FFPC format. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, you, you got to throw Jared Cook in there, and there's a couple of others. Uh, you know, what about uh, Kyle Rudolph? I mean, you know, these guys are uh, guys that can be in a uh, position to uh, actually make a run for you and uh, score a lot of points when uh, you wouldn't expect them. So, uh, you know, in that uh, – in a draft master's format, 26 rounds, uh, you might want to uh, go ahead and get, you know, three, four tight ends. Well, that's that's definitely the strategy of the FFPC. You don't have any choice. If you don't get a tight end, you are uh, you're you're going to be in big big trouble. Let's let's talk about something real quick with the Jets here for a second. They bring in they get San Antonio Holmes. There's still questions about what they're going to do with Braylon. All the rumors are talking about Randy Moss. You're going to have Cotchery in the slot, which is where that guy needs to be. I, I love Jericho Cotchery in the slot. He's a perfect complement for that offense. Very, very good weapon in the slot where he belongs. But when I look at the Jets, and if you're losing Braylon Edwards, I don't care who replaces him at this point, if it's Moss or whatever, I think this really makes a tremendous opportunity for a tight end in Dustin Keller. I, I think we saw what he was capable of last year. He put together a really good stretch of games there right off the bat. Matter of fact, he was probably the, the most dominant tight end in the game in the first through the first four or five weeks, and then it all went to hell after Holmes came back. I don't really understand. Oh. I would like somebody smarter than me to explain to me what exactly happened there because I don't think it was all Keller's fault. I think Sanchez kind of got rattled there and didn't really – I mean, he didn't have his, his game together pretty much any of the year. Uh, well, but Keller again shows up and makes big plays when he needs to, and without Braylon – on the other side of the field, I think Dustin Keller is is a shoe in for another you know sixty maybe seventy catch season this year. Well, I, you know I agree with that, Scott. And the the only uh, the only reason I do is because uh, Sanchez he has started to shorten his game. Uh, when I say that, you know he he knows where he can go along with, but he knows more more than anything else where he can be go short with. And keep the game in control. He can keep he can keep the game in control by the running game with uh, Sean Green, LT, and uh, you know those guys. But he can also keep the game in control with short dump balls, uh, your 10, 12, 15 yard uh, pass plays to Dustin Keller. I think Dustin Keller, in my opinion, is going to have a big year because Ryan and uh, uh, Mark Sanchez. They're going to want to keep that game short. They're going to shorten the field, and I, I just feel like that that's a that's a great play for them. Talking about D. Will and Stewie in the chat room, Mike. Here's another situation where we were having running backs uh, D. Will 
he went as early as four three in the pros versus Joe's. Is that where you got him? I think you got him right around that uh, that fourth round turn, right? Jonathan yeah, I got Stewart. Him the fourth round. Jonathan Stewart was also going in the fifth round in a couple of leagues, and now you see that D. Will resigns. Well, man, I don't know if I can draft either one of those guys because they just tear each other up. I mean, it's just it, you, they really kill each other's value. You don't know who's going to be week to week, and when um, it when it happens, you know, it, it's one of those guys you have to start every week if you have them on your team, and it's just I don't know if it's really worth it. So that's what's fair. That? Oh my gosh. You're not, you're not talking baseball on a night like tonight, please. No, Sean Moreno is a guy that we're going to have to watch. I, I have a feeling. I was talking to Cecil Lammy before the program. I have a feeling. Well, I weren't really talking. It's more like you know, like tweeting. You know, you're you're not really talking. You're just kind of uh, texting, I guess. But communicating. Moreno, I, I have a feeling that the words, uh, you know. Moreno, as a starting running back, I think he's okay. I mean, if he's a starting running back that catches the ball, isn't that all you really want out of a fantasy player? I mean, yeah, you'd like him to be a touchdown force and everything like that, but a starting running back that catches the ball. Now word is that the McGahee deal might be dead, Mike. I don't know if you heard that, but apparently they weren't allowed to talk to McGahee and get a deal going because the Ravens hadn't officially released him at that point or something along that lines, and now the Broncos might be back. I did not. I looked that up. I did not know that. So now the Broncos might be backing off of this deal altogether, maybe going another direction. Maybe they had buyer's remorse there after they kind of did that. And so, you know, maybe now Moreno, look, everybody was talking that Moreno was dead. Right? You know, lock him up and put him, put him, throw him away. He's done. And I'm not so sure. All these fantasy pundits, they love to just put the dagger in somebody and then, you know, Elway, just like Ducky was saying today, Elway, like, you know, he, that's it. That's his guy. You know, you got to start listening to Elway. Yeah. You know what? I mean, uh, I don't I don't know why they would uh, back off on Moreno. I mean, Moreno, I mean, he's going to be solid. He, he does everything that he's asked to do. Uh, you know, there's so many different things that, that are flying out here, uh, a deal here, a deal there. Uh if, if I'm Moreno, I'm just like, look, I'm your guy, and uh, I'll show you. What do you think about Robert Gallery to the Seahawks? That's one deal I will say congratulations. I think he's got some more in the tank, man. He's got the long hair still, right? Or I don't know, does he have the long hair anymore? But Robert Gallery with Marshawn Lynch, I think that elevates his stock quite a bit. I mean, here he was. Look, he went 7-9. Marshawn went, Lynch went in the seventh round in one of those FFPC uh Pros versus Joe's leagues uh, the other night. Seven nine. I got him at six twelve, and I was like, "Thank you, God, that he was still sitting there." Because I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But Marshawn Lynch with Gallery and the—I don't know if it's really what you call an improved offense, but that—that's a nice move for them. I, I will give him a—I will give him a little bit of props for bringing in a player like Robert Gallery. Yeah, you know what that is—that's a great move. But on the, on the other side of it. If you can't open up the offense, if you have no wide receivers, if you have no quarterback to open up that offense to where the running backs can get things done, then you, you're just you're going in quicksand, man. You know, I took a lot of flack for uh, taking Chad Ochocinco late in that NFFC draft that we did uh, a while back. You remember that, Mike? Everybody was like, why did you take Ocho? Why? You know, yep. you remember uh, Jim Day was on our show. Thank, hey, Jim's a great guy. He was he was co-hosting that night, but he's like, oh, I hate that move. You should have taken T.O. there, you know. And that was before the injury already. So we had the T.O. injury that confirmed it. And now you've got Ojo to the Patriots and Tom Brady. And you've got to love that for a couple of guys. you got to love it for Brady. Yeah. Gives him another weapon on the side. you got to love it for Ojo. I mean, it takes his stock and. And, and and honestly skyrockets from, from where we were seeing it. I mean, he was being drafted in no man's land uh, in the past. Everybody wrote him off as dead, uh, 12th and 13th round fodder, and now he definitely catapults back into the discussion, you know, where the 5th and 6th round wide receivers are, the Bolgens, the Collies, the Harvins, the Steve Johnsons, probably behind that tier, but, but definitely ahead of the Rices and Brits and Lloyds. I mean, those guys all have questions. I don't think there's many – questions when you're talking about Brady and Ocho. He's going to get some. It opens things up for Welker, too. Welker, if you got yeah. a target on the other side of the field like Ocho, Welker's going to be having room to work again. So, 
I, I really yeah. like that move. Another Bill Belichick move. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. And, you know, we talked about that uh, just before the show. Uh, you know, people say that uh, Chad Ochocinco has uh, issues and this and that. No. The only issue that Chad Ochocinco has, he wants to win. That's that's his, that's his only issue. He loves to celebrate. He loves to do this and that. But he loves to win. And I guarantee you, this guy is so happy to be in New England. He's so happy to be in the Boston area because he has an opportunity to win. And just just give him that, and that's all it takes. Hey, I want to ask you a question. I'm looking at the ADPs of the pros versus Joes. That's kind of what I got on the mind tonight. And I see a guy, Pierre Garçon, that was drafted at 3-9 in one of these pros versus Joes leagues. 3-9, Mike. His average draft position was uh, pick 58, so that's, that's the end of the fifth round. But somebody likes Pierre Garçon at 3-9. What do you think about that pick? Uh, that's pretty high for him, but uh, you know you never know because in the in a draft masters uh, like this and the pros versus Joes, uh, you know you just take a bunch of uh, bunch of wide receivers and uh, running backs and go from there. So uh, took him high and figuring that uh, he catch lightning in a bottle in a couple of weeks and uh, he probably go dead for about two three weeks. I mean, let's face it, uh, that's the way Garcon and uh, <clears throat> Peyton Manning and that whole offense works. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. I'm going to go ahead and take a call from the nine three seven. Nine three seven. We're talking free agency. We've got Donovan McNabb for the Vikings. Sidney Rice is gone, and in comes uh, Donovan McNabb to throw to Percy Harvin, whose stock elevates. What do you think about McNabb to Harvin? Scotty and Mike, how are you guys doing? What up? Uh, McNabb to Harvin. Um, well, okay. I think that's hapless. McNabb's reputation in uh, Philly was always uh, inaccuracy. And I don't think he's going to change. I don't think that will be any different. I do think that that's, he's a better quarterback than any other quarterback they could have fielded. However, uh, to think that he's going to throw darts to Harvin running precise patterns across the middle without Sidney Rice to clear out one side, I think is ridiculous. Would you rather have uh, Donovan McNabb or uh, Tavares Jackson? Uh, I think Tavares Jackson is Donovan McNabb light. So I would take McNabb just because he's the original. <laughs> I love, okay, I love how about, Harvin how, and McNabb. How about this one? Uh, would you would you rather have Chad Henney? Uh, as opposed to either of those two guys? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because I think uh-huh. Chad Henney, w- I think Chad Henney would take a sack, which is minus seven or eight yards, instead of an interception, which could be minus, which is a turnover, and could be minus a TD. Okay, I just thought I'd ask those questions because uh, let's face it, the quarterbacks are uh, getting thinner and thinner and thinner as we go along. But uh, you know, Christian Ponder, would you like him? Uh, I'm going to ponder that. But I have a question for you two. <laughs> I think I think the real the un the story that no one is covering yet to the appropriate degree is the debt ceiling argument. Now, the question is, are you on the Ron Paul side or the Obama side? Now, this applies to the NFL because the best single thing that the players negotiated was that the teams have to spend 99% of their cap. So here's my question to you guys. A, where are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And B, if you add up the top 10 teams in the league that have cap money available, it's unbelievable. The, The only teams that have really spent their money are Carolina and now Philly, 
which had a bunch of cap money. But let me ask you guys this question. If you don't spend your cap money early on good players, what are you going to do with it later? You're just going to spend it on either mediocre guys that are new to your team or mediocre guys that are still on your team. So why aren't people paying attention to this issue? Mike, I think that's the first. I think that's the first time I've ever had to use the buzzer meter on somebody other than you, buddy. I thought I was throwing out pretty good questions. <laughs> I can't believe you. I can't believe you're bringing up the dead ceiling and Ron Paul on red versus blue, baby. I just, I just can't believe. It. I, I, I love Ron Paul. I will vote for him tomorrow, and you know I vote for yeah. you tomorrow. But this is free agency in the NFL, and, you know, I don't want to talk about money anymore. I don't want to talk about the CBA. I'm sick and tired of talking about the CBA. I'm sick and tired of talking about salary caps. I just want to talk about players, their new teams, their new unis, where, who they're gonna, how many balls are they going to catch this year, Reggie Bush in Miami. Let's talk about that, Rich, Reggie Bush in Miami. Daniel Thomas, my boy John Duckworth, got it right. They didn't bring anybody Daniel Thomas is going to get the carries. He's been talking him up all summer long on BFD, a big effing dynasty show. And now Daniel Thomas is going to be the workhorse. Reggie Bush, the only thing they bring in is just to get him a little uh, reception here and there and kind of challenge the defense. What do you think about Reggie Bush in Miami, Rich? Come on. Well, I, I, I love the idea of Reggie Bush anywhere as long as the offensive coordinator knows how to use him. But you're dodging the point. If if a team has to spend 99% of its salary cap and Tampa Bay has $55 million left, what are they going to do? They're going to pay Mike Williams $500 million over the next five years so that they meet the cap? I think the reason I bring it up is because I think that that's a legitimate point that teams that have a bunch of cap space and aren't willing to spend it on exceptional players are going to be forced to spend it on average players. Now, as far as Reggie Bush goes, I think Reggie Bush is an above average player. And if the offensive coordinator knows how to use him in Miami, then he'll be appropriate. But what, what if, what if Miami had 50 K or 50 million left? Would they spend it all on Reggie Bush? No. So I still think it's a legitimate question. I don't know. You know, I I understand what you're saying, but uh, there's a lot of camp space for different teams, and and they're just uh, they're going about it in different ways. What you need to understand is those uh, that cap isn't year to year. That, that cap space can be uh, moved around. They can move, you know, that money around the way they want to do it. For instance, you could take a team like uh, uh, the freaking Bengals, who are so bad, uh, and you can uh, you can go way under the cap and still be able to adjust it. And then in 2012 and 13 and 14, you've got a lot left. So you've got to understand how that cap works. Well, I agree, Mike. It's 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 the soft cap, but only only this year and next year are transition years where they're going to allow you to move it around however you want. And I don't see that anybody understands how they're going to move it around. I think the individual teams might understand, but I've not seen anything in the legitimate press that really talks about how the cap works or doesn't work, they are still used to working with the hard cap we had before, and this is considered a soft cap. I I still think that it's the most underreported story of the changes in the CBA. Well, you know, and I agree with that to a point. But the the bottom line is we all know who is not spending the money. Uh, I mean, let's face it. You know the teams that aren't spending the money. So, Therefore, that those are the teams that maybe in uh, 2012 and 13 that you might want to uh, focus on is they're going to spend the money in 2012 and 13 because they're not spending the money right now. 
right, all right. I'm seriously going to mute both of you assholes, okay? It's going to happen in like about three <laughs> seconds. We're going to talk about Roy Williams. This is red versus blue. We're going to talk about Roy Williams. He's next on the docket. I have fun with it. In 2006, Roy Williams, he had his best career year, 82 catches, 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns. He's reunited. He's reunited with our boy in Detroit. What do we think that he's capable of? Is he going to be uh, somebody that's going to be able to come right in? I mean, look, they got production out of him last time. Mike Martz knows how to get Roy Williams to the Pro Bowl in Detroit. Now, you give him Jay Cutler, and all you've got on one side is Knox and Drew Bennett or Earl Bennett or whoever it is. This guy, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think, you know, he's not the elite talent in Dallas, but you put him back on Mike Martz's team, maybe the guy can get it figured out. <laughs> Go, Mike. I don't like that. Do I? Well, we don't. We don't. We don't need. Mike's not even listening at this point, Rich. <laughs> hey, here's what uh, I'll say I'm, about I'm, Roy. I'm right here. I'm, I'm watching the replays. Uh, here's what I'll say about Roy Williams. Roy Williams is, um, he's like a a certain percentage of pro athletes. He's capable of whatever he decides in his own mind he's capable of. When when he was challenged, and I do think that you get challenged under March for this reason. You have to run precise patterns. You have to be in the right spot. You have to do what you're told. And if you're there, the ball will be there. And if you're not, then, then you aren't going to play. I think the reason that he had his big season under March is because that's that's the only kind of taskmaster that he will respond to. And so I think he has a shot, if he still has his physical talents, he has a shot at repeating that. However, when he went to another team that said, okay, you're the number one wide receiver or you're the second guy, do what you're going to do, he doesn't do that because he has to be challenged. And I think that's a, a Roy Williams inside of his own head deal and only Martz would have a chance to revive him. I don't know. I, I tell you what, uh, Alex makes a good point in the chat room. Roy was strong, strong, and fast in 2006, so I guess he's saying he's old, weak, and slow in 2011. Probably so. It's been five years. I, I, I see the point. But, look, let's move on. I, I want to understand this New Orleans situation. Obviously, it's now the Mark Ingram show. And uh, maybe Pierre Thomas stays in the fold. Maybe Chris Ivory stays in the fold. Reggie's gone. But then they, what do they do? They bring in, uh, didn't Darren Sproul come? Is, is that what I heard? Did Sproul go to the same Yeah. Okay, so if Sproul yeah, Darren goes. Sproul's, uh, you know what, I, I think he may, uh, he's going to make a definite impact. Uh, and it's funny because I, I drafted in a, uh, in a slow draft, I drafted uh, Chris Ivory. When Bush was dealt, thinking that Chris Ivory would make be an impact, and now I'm looking back, I'm going, wow, because Darren Sproles, I mean, the guy's electrifying and uh, whatever he does. So, uh, what kind? Who's going to make the more more of an impact, Darren Sproles or Chris Ivory? Uh, there's no real talent, dude. I don't. I don't even know. I'm I, I'm more interested in how it's going to work out for Pierre Thomas. He's a legitimate weapon, okay? You can't forget about Pierre. And if, if Sproles is there, I don't know why they would whether you would think about keeping Pierre when you've got Ivory, you've got you've got Ingram. I don't even know. Julius Jones is going to have to find a team somewhere else. It's just too crowded. But Pierre's got to go somewhere. And so there's still teams that are looking for a running back. Maybe, maybe this Bradshaw thing works out, and then, you know, you end up with Pierre Thomas uh, in uh, the Giants or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm – there's a lot more to play out in this free agency. That's why it's so exciting to watch every single minute of it because it's all it's all it all works together. Uh, look, we've got the FPC we've got the FPC draft. We're covering live Friday night, next Friday night. I think the first drafts are coming up on on Sunday or Monday, and then we're going to be covering a live FPC draft. We're going to blast it out to everybody. We're going to hopefully have as many uh, great fantasy players on in that league as possible. And uh, I'm let's have to be a good on my time. Toes because you're drafting on that one, Scott. Yeah, no, I am. I'm drafting on that one. Thankfully, I've got my boy uh, Perry Van Hook coming back. He's going to be a part of uh, 
of uh, of the um, Hooks Legacy, I think is what we got. Hooks Legacy is going to yeah. be back on uh, Red vs. Blue draft and live Friday night. We'll probably be at a two or maybe even a three-hour show that night and watching uh, the best high-stakes fantasy football guys go at it in a uh, in one of the first FPC drafts of the year. And, uh, look, if anything, if we're seeing anything, I got Jermichael Finley at 3-1. I think Dallas Clark went 3-3 in my league the other night. Witten went at Dude, Witten went at 3-8, Vernon Davis 3-9. Look, you could never get that type of value in FP, FFPC drafts last year. Rich, what in your what's what's changed? I mean, we had injuries happen, but you can't predict injuries every year. It's almost like a, a seesaw game in the FFPC. One year they're drafted high, next year they're drafted late. The tight end position is definitely deeper than years past, so I can understand why people would want to wait. But when you can get a Finley or a Clark who's going to catch a ton of balls and touchdowns, and they're going to count at one and a half points per catch. I think you got to start considering them back in there in the second again, don't you? No, I agree, and I blame both Dave and Alex for starting this whole thing. Uh, let's face it. Uh, I'm a Packer fan, as is one of the two members of the FFPC, or owners. Guess what? Uh, Finley is a, a potential – a potential gold mine, or he's fool's gold. He he started out last season after four games. He was averaging 76 yards a game. He probably would have caught a minimum of 10 touchdowns. But let's face it, he's never done it for a full season. So he is the ultimate fantasy tease right now. Is he going to come back, and he's going to be perfect, and he's going to be fine, and everything's going to go great? No one knows. And that's the tease that FFPC gives you by giving the one-and-a-half catches per tight end. Uh, No one really knows exactly who's going to catch all those balls and what they're going to do. I do think that Finley, for example, is the ultimate risk-reward. He could be great. He could lead the league. He could catch 100 balls. And th- and have twelve or thirteen hundred yards and ten or ten to fifteen touchdowns, or he could get hurt again. So what do you do in 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 FFPC when you have to take you well not have to but you're tempted to take that tight end early. He's going to go way earlier than a lot of people are willing to pay. Well, on on the other side of that, there's there's a lot of tight ends that uh, you know. Would you put Owen Daniels in Jermichael Finley's uh, status then? I mean, it, it's pretty close then, what you're talking. Well, no, that's a good point, Mike. I mean, but Owen Daniels, uh, I mean, he, his best season is way better than, than, than Finley's best season. So if you want to go look back at what someone could do, then Daniels has done it and Finley hasn't. Now, trust me, I'm a Packer fan. I want him to tear it up. But, on the other hand, it didn't hurt the team when he went down last year. They turned to Jennings, and they still survived. So I think Finley is the uh, Finley may be as big a risk-reward uh, pick as there is in the entire draft. Wow. Interesting. Um, now the discussion. You got John Duckworth fired up again in the chat room here. The crew at Red vs. Blue is getting fired up. He's uh, he's predicting the top. Uh, what is he? He's, he's predicting the top ten season for Ingram. Is that what he's doing? No, no. He's saying twenty five catches for Ingram this year. So uh, if that's the case, Johnny, uh, you can't really have him in your top fifteen. Not in a PPR league. There's just not that many backs that are going to be able to do a top fifteen season uh, for uh, you know with only twenty five catches. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, but. Before we go, who we got? Uh, who we got uh, drafting next Friday? You know, I have no idea. I think it's still wide open. I can go and uh, try to check out see if we've got um, see if we've got anything uh, coming up here. Let me see. No, I don't see it. I don't know where they've got this draft here, but we'll look it up. We'll check it out. It's it's going to be Friday night. Friday night, first draft. I know TNT is going to be a part of the draft. Uh, we had some great players in it last year. We had Darren Armani. We had Orman, Kotrax. We had John Duckworth, Lou Tranquilly, Wayne Ellis, Lenny Papano, and Ollie. It was a really good draft last year. Vince Bartman, everybody had a great time. Look, 
Free agency is among us. We've got another week of this fantastic action. Preseason is right around the corner, guys. It's great to be back with you guys. There's the fellas. Talk like this. Let's get all the BS out of the way and get down to football. Breakout players coming out. Looking forward to that. We'll see you guys next week. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.